So I was stood down there this morning in worship, and God said to me, This is anything can happen Sunday. <laughs> and do you know what? This is not even I want to start by prophesying over you. I want to prophesy over you that God is here this morning. He is here and he is here for transformation. And he wants to transform you this morning into his likeness. There is nothing in your life that he cannot touch. There is nothing in your life that he cannot change. There is nothing in your heart that has gone too far from him. And this morning, he wants to work in you, and he wants you to cooperate with him, and he wants you to leave this place changed. This is anything can happen Sunday. There is nothing in your life that cannot be changed by the power of Jesus this morning. So I'm declaring that over you before I even begin to start. I just want to give you a little bit of insight into the journey that you go on when you're preparing a sermon. I was given this day quite a while ago, and I thought, right, summer holidays are coming up, boys off school, it's going to get chaotic. I thought, right, I want to get planned what I'm doing before the summer holidays. So I had a chat with God and said, just give, tell me what we're doing. And at the moment, there isn't a particular theme, so it's, you know, when you think, right, it's my choice. What am I going to do? Well, the Bible's quite big, and God is infinite. So you've kind of got a big, big spectrum to, to work on. So God took me to this passage, and he started talking to me about what he wants to bring out of it. And then Alan started preaching. I thought, say what I want to say. And then Jeremy started preaching twice. Say what I want to say. Well, I... So I then said, well, God, do I need to say something different? And he said, no. <laughs> God is working deeply in us. We're in a season at the moment where it feels like we're waiting on God moving in a lot of areas. We're waiting on God giving us a working manual center. We're, work we're waiting on God getting us to 400 and beyond. We're working on God moving in grace and power among us and seeing more of the miracles like we've seen in this evening, this morning. But when we're waiting on God, it's not passive time. That's not a time where we're just sitting around doing it. It is a time when God is working in us to prepare us for those things. And I believe that at the moment, God is doing that. He is changing us so that we can carry more of his glory. Now, there's two people who've got something really exciting. Um, Charlotte, Hannah, do you want to come out with what you have? Because they, they have something really exciting. Is this for me? To carry? God wants me to carry this. This is God's presence and glory. That is the most exciting thing to carry. I'm not worthy of carrying that, but through Jesus, he wants me to carry that. Now, I'm going to struggle because I like to talk with my hands, and I've got a clicky thing. I've got a bag. There we go. Can, could you just open that? And then, Hannah, can you just put that in while I carry on with this? Because this lot are all waiting for what I'm going to say. Can you get that in there? Is that all right? 
Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll squeeze in one, is it? I'll have to wait. But these are important things. Right! Right, can you hold that then? We'll see what we need to get rid of. Maybe we just one or two. Um, oh, this first one. Oh, everything working out the way I want it to. Oh, I don't know if I want to put that in there. Anything can happen Sunday. <laughs> oh, this, this, this one, I can, I can keep this one, can't I? This one, I can keep this one. My reputation. If I get rid of what will they all think about me? No, I need to keep this one financial security. Have you seen the price of petrol? <laughs> oh, this is just a little one. I can keep this one. Checking my phone for messages and social media posts. I can keep that. She's hot. <laughs> My need to be the centre of attention. Oh, hang on a minute. That's yours. Sorry. <laughs> and this one. My career. Well, they've got my career. Great. Can you go in now? We did test this out. Yeah. <laughs> Glory is growing. It will fit. I need a new mindset. <laughs> <laughs> there, Right. I can carry the presence of God. Thank you, Phil. Keep on the clock. Jesus. When I was praying about all the clever words to bring for this sermon, 
I just felt like Jesus said, point to me. So we're going to be gazing on Jesus. The other thing that Paul talks about is the renewing of our minds. We are new creations in Christ. But sometimes our thinking needs a little bit of work. We're going to look today at the mind of Jesus. Now, I can't transform you. Do you know what? Neither can you. <laughs> None of us can do it for ourselves. Transformation comes by the grace of God. It is his power at working in his presence in your life that will change you. So before I go on any further, I want to pray for us. Because I want God to come and do what we can't do. My words are not going to change you this morning. It is him that is going to do that. So let's just pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. That you are here and you are working in the lives of each of us. So God, we invite you to come. We welcome your transformation in our lives. We invite you to put your finger on the things that we need to lay down. The things that we need to put to one side so that we have space for you. Lord Jesus, it is all about you. And we declare that over our lives this morning. We want our lives to be all about you. So we invite you to come and do what only you can do. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Take us deeper into who you are. Let our minds be filled with images of heaven, images of the King of Kings. Let us see who you are this morning and let us be changed. We welcome you and your work this morning, Lord Jesus. So I'm going to be looking at a passage in Philippians. Keeping works. This is Philippians 2, chapter 2. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work as his good pleasure. Sorry, I didn't get to the point. <laughs> there is quite a bit. <laughs> Otherwise I'll be completely out of sync. So the context that Paul is talking to the, the church of Philippi here is talking about the, the need for unity. And this passage starts off with, a, with that real exhortation for them to be unified, to be of one heart and mind, to be of lifting others up and considering others as more significant than themselves. But I'm not preaching on unity this morning. It is vitally important, and I'm sure we all agree on that, because if we didn't, it would be ironic. But, <laughs> but actually, I want to take a step back. And not, I'm not talking about unity. I want to talk about the mind of Christ, which when this mind is formed in us, unity will not be an issue. The mind of Christ is one of unity. Jesus is fully unified with the Father and the Spirit, and he wants that for us. So like I say, that's not my focus this morning. That's what Paul was speaking into at this point. But I want to take that step back so that we can look at the mind of Jesus and we can form that mind in ourselves. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Now, that's a huge statement. And I don't know about you, but I can certainly doubt that, because some of the thoughts that go through my mind are not the thoughts of Jesus. Some of them I wouldn't even want to repeat here this morning. <laughs> but quite often, my thoughts are not those of Jesus. Sometimes they're my thoughts. Sometimes they can be thoughts that have been put there by the enemy, that are completely in contradiction to what Jesus says. And I'm going to guess I'm not alone. Please tell me I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm not alone, thank you. <laughs> John and I have come back in on this. <laughs> so what, what does Paul mean? Well, when we, are, when we become Christians, when we are saved by Jesus, we become new creations. That includes our minds. But our minds are a little bit on capture because we've, got, we've learned the patterns of thinking that we've had before. We've, we're influenced by the patterns of thinking of the world around us. And we want to move to be influenced by the patterns of thinking that Jesus has. And it is through that that we will find that transformation. We have the capacity, through the power of the Spirit, to take control of our thinking. We have the capacity to reject our thoughts when we think that's not the right one. And we also have the capacity to discern where those thoughts are coming from. And the more we learn to think like Jesus, the more we'll recognise where those thoughts are coming from and, uh, and focus on the ones that are coming from him. So, in this passage that we're looking at today, Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So this is the mind of Christ that we're looking at today. This is what Jesus wants to form in us. This is what the Holy Spirit is going to do in us. So there's a really clear direction of travel that, that Paul goes on as he describes 
just this journey of Jesus. And he begins with a statement, though he was in the form of God. So sometimes our English translations don't necessarily carry the force of this. Paul isn't saying that Jesus was like God. He is firmly saying Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Jesus has been around for eternity. Jesus has been on the throne in heaven for eternity. He has always been worshipped by the the angelic realm. He has always had the power and glory of the Father. He was there at the beginning of creation. He is is the one who is behind creation. He is the one that breathes life into everything that has life. He is the one that sustains life. You breathe this morning because Jesus is sustaining you. Jesus was there when Moses crossed the Red Sea. Jesus was there when Elijah fell on his face before God. There is is no point in the whole of history where Jesus has not existed and been equal to the Father. There's nothing about him that makes him secondary. And yet, Paul says this, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Now, back before I had the boys, I was a, I was a primary school teacher. And I worked over in Sedgefield. Now, there's a day that is very memorable and is etched in my mind. It was the day the president came to town. So at the time, um, Sedgefield was uh, Tony Blair's constituency. Tony Blair was the prime minister. And his friend, George Bush, came over to the UK to visit and he thought, let's take him to Sedgefield. Now, being just a humble primary school teacher, he didn't come to see us. But he did come to the secondary school that we were on the same site as. So though I didn't see him, his effect was quite remarkable. So we were told we had to be in work by about 7 o'clock that morning because every road into the village was being closed. So you get up early, you drive in, and as I was driving in, cars were being pulled over randomly and searched, there were uh, manhole covers were being lifted, drains were being searched. There was security everywhere in the village. And so we got into school early. We did the day. My maths lesson that day, I gave up on. Because, you know, it's one thing doing maths. But when you've got mounted police riding past your window, when they can see the snipers on the roof of the secondary school, I gave up, we went out, and maths that day was like, count the guns. <laughs> and I was there till something like half six at night, because I still had kids in the class whose parents hadn't been able to get back into the village to pick them up. So, so the president came to visit the people, but he came in the form of the president. He came with his entourage. He came with his disruption. He came with his chaos. And there was no missing the fact that the president had come to town. When Jesus came, he didn't come in the form of God. He didn't come 
so that everybody around him could see. When Jesus was born, very few people were aware of it. There were a handful of shepherds who saw some angels. But most people missed the fact that the creator God had just been born. And it always amazes me. I always get thinking when we, when we start talking Christmas about God being in the form of a baby. Because my mind goes back to thinking, well, what about the nine months before that, when the creator God was a few cells being formed in the body of a woman he'd created? This was the humility of God, that he was willing to become few cells. And when he came, it says he emptied himself. What did he empty himself of? He emptied himself of his rightful place. The rightful place of Jesus was in heaven, being worshipped, being honoured, being glorified, being recognised. Jesus didn't come to be to, to, to receive that. He came to be a servant. He laid down his right for glory, for glory and honour. He laid down his right of being served and became the one who did serve. Now, this word servant, it's often written as either a bond servant or even a slave. Now, in the society that Jesus came into, it was there was a lot of hierarchy. And there was very little transition between those stages in the hierarchy and to be a servant or a slave was to be at the bottom of the pile. And that is where Jesus chose. Jesus lived in the constraints of a human body. He lived with the same constraints that we have. He lived in the power of the Spirit. He lived in the leading of the Spirit. He laid down his majesty. He did not empty himself of being God. He was always fully God, but his glory was concealed. And then it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is as if Paul was saying, it wasn't enough that Jesus just came in human form. But he came, to, as he came to die. He came in that obedience to the Father. He loved the Father so much that he came to do the Father's will. He came to die. Everything that Jesus did, everything in his life was pointing to the fact that he came to die. The eternal God came and accepted death. He laid down his right to live. And it wasn't just any death. It was death on a cross. The cross was reserved for the criminals. So in the eyes of man, Jesus went as low as he could. In the eyes of man, he became a criminal, hung on a cross, a humiliating death. In the eyes of God, Jesus went as low as he could. Because Jesus took on every sin, every fault, every failure of the entire entirety of humanity and he took that on as he died 
he became everything that he despised. And we know from Ephesians that actually that descent of Jesus went even further as he took those sins, as he, he went into the, the place of death. And he left our sins there. But then the tables turned. We see two responses. There's two there told in this, in this passage. There's the response of God and there's our response. God's response to Jesus was this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it wasn't just a way of getting back home. To those that were stood around him, his, his deity was obvious. People don't rise up in the clouds. Have you noticed that? When Jesus ascended into heaven, for his disciples who were looking up, there was no mistaking who he was. And as Jesus entered heaven, the Father seated him on the throne, the highest throne, the, the throne that is at his right-hand side, the place of highest honour. Now, God didn't make Jesus higher ranking than himself. The three parts of the Trinity are all equal. But what he did say is, I want eyes on the Son. I want people to see his glory. The one who lived in obedience and submission became the one who has all authority. The name that is higher than every other name. The one who is higher than anybody else. Now, there's an image that gets my imagination going. A little while back, Keith and I watched the film Amazing Grace, which is the story of William Wilberforce and the abolition of slavery. And so you, you've, got the, you've got the film which shows the story, the battles, the trials that, that he goes through. And then it ends with the final scene where they're all in Parliament and it's announced that slavery has been abolished. Or at least legalised slavery has been abolished. And Wilberforce is accredited with this. And then it starts, it's a very Hollywood scene, the applause begins, a couple of people in the crater, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it goes on and on. And it got me thinking, if there is celebration in heaven every time a sinner is forgiven, what did it sound like when Jesus went back and took the throne? What was the sound of a hundred million angels praising Jesus, praising him for all that he had done? And you know, I don't think that, that praising has stopped. That goes on, and I believe it will go on through eternity. And when we worship, we join the angels in heaven who are crying out, holy, 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 and worthy is Jesus. So as we in a little while, we'll be going back into worship. Let that picture fill your head that you are celebrating 
the ascension of Jesus, Jesus returning and getting that place of highest honour. And it goes on to say that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. There will be a day when Jesus will return. He will be coming in the form of a servant. He will be coming as a risen, conquering king. And there is not a person on this earth, there is not a person in existence who will not see him for who he is, who will not bow the knee, who will not worship and adore him. Not everybody will be saved, but everybody will see Jesus for who he is. And then there comes our response. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What does it mean to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? I believe it is to become more like Jesus. It is to understand who he is and, have, and see him on his throne and to become more like him. To know that there are things in our lives that we need to lay down, that we need to empty out so that we can carry his glory and bring glory to him. I'm going to read out some statements in a minute. And before I do that, there is a rule in place. You are not allowed to feel any sense of condemnation. Because what I'm going to read out is some statements that will be true of us when the mind of Christ is fully formed in us. So like I say, condemnation is banished from this room. I'll declare that in Jesus' name. I want you to be encouraged by this. This is what God is doing in you. You're not to read it, you're not there yet, because nobody's there yet. <laughs> the person next to you is not there yet either. We are all being transformed to be more like Jesus. But this is what we will be able to say fully and truthfully. The glory of my Father is of greater worth to me than anything. My love for my Heavenly Father means that I am willing to do anything for him. You know those moments when you're in worship and you surrender and you tell God you'll do anything, and then he asks you to go and start a conversation with that stranger in the street and you pretend you haven't heard? Even that. <laughs> My reputation before others is of no significance. I'm desperate to get to that one. <laughs> Jesus is Lord over every decision I make, over every thought that I have, over every word I say, over everything I do, over every opinion I have, over every penny I spend. My life is a constant outpouring of sacrificial worship that Jesus deserves. Who wants to be there? <laughs> Doing all that I can at whatever price to bring salvation to others is a priority. Whoever I meet, I count as more significant than myself. 
and I look after their interests regardless of how they act or respond towards me. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> and if you put your hand up, I don't believe you. <laughs> this is what God wants to do with us. This is who Jesus is. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Um, because what I want to do now is I want us to spend some time gazing upon Jesus. I'm going to read uh, a section, quite a lengthy section, and I'm making no apologies for that. I'm going to read a section from Revelation, which gives us that chance to gaze upon Jesus. To gaze upon his glory, to gaze upon who he is. And as I do that, the Holy Spirit is here. He has promised us transformation this morning. He does not want to leave you as you are. He wants to make those statements true in your life. He wants you to be able to get rid of the things in your bag that are getting in the way. Going back to Zara's word, that was perfect, Zara. God wants to clear away the things that you've become comfortable with that stop us from getting close to God. He is worth it. We need to know that he is worth it. We need to see him in his glory. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm just going to pray for us before we start. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you that you are working here among us. We want to thank you that you are not leaving us as we are, but that you have come to bring transformation to us. And Lord, the one that you are transforming us into is the likeness of Jesus. So God, we agree with you that we need transformation. We agree with you that Jesus is the only perfect one. And we want to see him. We want to see him magnified. We want to see him glorified. And we want it to be glorified in us. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. To put your finger on what needs that transformation in our lives. To speak your truth, to release your power so that we can be transformed. Would you empower us by your grace? Would you fill our minds with images of Christ? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done for us. And we pray that you would make this more us as I read this, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture what I'm reading. Picture the throne room of heaven. Allow Jesus to fill your imagination. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones. Seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne seven lamps were blazing. 
These were the seven spirits of God. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp in their hand, holding golden balls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands among thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They have served on the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in the saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praised and honor and glory